Have you ever had a dream that started out fine, but turned into a nightmare? And while you were running, you tried to scream and couldn't. Your mouth was open, you were expelling air from your lungs, but you have no voice. That's when the nightmare becomes a nightmare. While that is just a dream, there are those living through that experience, going through life without their voice. If you're ready to get your voice back, I've got a word for you on this episode of A Word with Anthony Walker. Voice. Noun. The sound produced in a person's larynx and uttered through the mouth as speech or song. Verb. Express in words. Utter. A speech sound with resonance of the vocal cords. Growing up, I understood that humans were uniquely created by God. We were distinct from all his other creation for many reasons. One reason that stood out to me is our voice, namely our ability to talk. Yes, other animals have a type of voice box that allows them to use sounds to communicate. Virtually all living beings communicate. But we have the unique ability to talk. The ability to be able to control the vocal cords, tongue, lips, jawbone, in addition to the cognitive ability to formulate letters, consonants, words, paragraphs, as well as understand them. This ability is unique to humans. I can hear the crowd now. Hey, my parrot can talk. My dog understands me. He does exactly what I say. What about my parrot? Animals have the ability to mimic sounds, and this is an innate survival tactic. Birds of all kinds have the ability to mimic sounds. I would argue the same for our four-legged friends that follow commands. It is a long-term survival tactic. We are a steady, caring source of provision and protection for them. It is something to be said of their capacity to bond with us. But they make sounds and imitate sounds. They recognize our sit, heal, go. All these are like codes for different actions. Unlike us, They don't talk. Given the weighty responsibility of having a voice, it should give us some pause sometimes on how we use it. Profound poet Maya Angelou found out at a young age the power of voice. She was sexually abused by her mother's boyfriend. In her bravery, and courage, she used her voice to speak out about it. He was later found beaten to death, she believed, by one of her uncles. In her young mind, she deduced that her voice had killed him. 
So for five years, she stopped speaking. Later in life, she would utilize her voice as well as her pen to compose priceless poetic masterpieces that would heal and inspire the hearts of many. The voice we have is powerful. It can be used to galvanize the masses and even motivate the mighty. Yet at any moment, it can be taken away. There are a couple of men from the Bible that had to experience the sudden revocation of their voice. These weren't just men. They were men of God. Preachers called to use their voice as heralds of God to God's people. Even they can have their voice taken away. Zechariah was a God-fearing man. He was married to a lovely lady named Elizabeth. Like most families, they hoped and prayed for a child. Although they were married for many years, they had no children. One day, while serving his priestly duties in the temple, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make a people prepared for the Lord. Wow, what an amazing revelation. One would think he would come running out of the temple, high-kicking and shouting the good news. But no. Zechariah responded, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is well along in years. Wait a minute. Think about this. Zechariah was just notified that his prayer has been answered, and he uses his voice to express doubt. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was He who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Here is a man who primarily uses his voice to live out his calling. Now, not able to use his voice. Imagine the horror that he now must live. The scriptures say that he stayed in the temple for a while. He came out not being able to utter a word. He couldn't come home and tell his wife the amazing news he received while at the temple. He couldn't even express his regret for his faithlessness. There was another man named Ezekiel that had tremendous restrictions on his voice. 
Ezekiel was called to preach a strong message of repentance to Israel. They were highly rebellious and turned their heart and ear from God. Yes, you heard that right. God called Ezekiel to speak to people that wouldn't listen. But it takes an even sharper turn. Right after God gives the call to Ezekiel, he makes Ezekiel responsible for Israel and then makes him partially mute. He was not able to use his voice unless God himself had something to say through Ezekiel. Otherwise, his tongue would be stuck to the roof of his mouth. God would sometimes have Ezekiel to minister by symbolic behavior and antics, but he couldn't use his voice. A friend of mine shared a fitting quote, Every day we should preach a sermon and sometimes use words. That quote would hit me hard in more ways than I could imagine. As a child, I was gifted with my voice. From early as I could remember, I've always been able to sing, and I've always loved singing. Around age 11, I believed through my study of God's Word that I was called to preach. Throughout my life, both singing and preaching were a paramount part of my life. In my singing, I had the reins to hit the highs and the lows. In my preaching, I was always powerful and loud. I often suffered with seasonal allergies and colds, both of which can have an effect on your voice. In 2016, I once had five sinus infections within two months. This concerned me and my doctor. While trying to do a scope on my sinuses, my doctor discovered that he couldn't stick the scope in my left nostril. It was almost completely blocked. After doing x-rays, he found that I had a deviated septum and that that side of my sinuses was 90% blocked. Surgery was required, and thank God it helped tremendously. I could finally breathe clearly. From that point, I had virtually no sinus issues at all. However, I still would get hoarse from time to time. In 2018, I noticed that I began getting hoarse very often. I would try to remedy this by drinking tea with honey. But late in 2018, I noticed that I also developed some new habits. I was drinking a warm latte before worship and drinking hot tea all during worship, before my sermon, during my sermon, and after my sermon. I carried cough drops regularly. I also noticed that I would almost completely lose my voice on Sundays, and it would recover sometime near Wednesday. But it all came to a head on Mother's Day 2019. I got up to sing and preach as usual, but some things didn't seem to work right. I felt like I got hoarse about five minutes into my message, but I carried on. But then while singing later, 
I noticed that I couldn't hit the notes I usually hit. They just fell flat. For the first time in my life, I felt like I didn't have control of my voice. Then my voice went blank. I couldn't make a sound. I couldn't even whisper. But shortly after service, I felt a pain in my throat like I've never felt before. I was scared. The nightmare was coming true. Everything is racing in my mind. Did I break my vocal cords? I'm at the prime of my life and in the prime of my ministry. What if I really broke my vocal cords? What if I'm never able to sing again? What if I'm never able to preach again? Have I lost my voice due to faithlessness? For most of my life, my voice was a staple in my life, my purpose, and my ministry. These were the surface-level thoughts. But there were deeper fears. What if it's throat cancer? I recall one of my favorite singers, a man by the name of Ollie Ollie Woodson. He's a former singer of The Temptations. He died of throat cancer. He also had a beautiful voice with amazing range, but he died of throat cancer. Do I have throat cancer? I was scared. I go to the doctor and find out that it wasn't any type of cancer. It was a type of sore on my vocal cords, in addition to some inflammation due to abuse and overuse. The prognosis was a restriction and rest, as well as some dietary changes. For the next two weeks, I couldn't say anything unless it absolutely had to be said. Knowing me and given my personality, this was basically punishment. I was basically living a quiet mouse game. Keep in mind, I love music. I love singing and I love preaching. I sing all the parts of my favorite songs. I sing in the shower. I sing in worship. Occasionally, I even do a sermon in song. But now I have to be quiet for two weeks. And speaking of sermons, I couldn't preach. Oh, that hit hard. At times, I struggled in my relationship with God during that time. God, I've used my voice for your glory all my life, and now you take it away. Did I do something wrong? Is this punishment? What about my purpose? Am I still needed in the kingdom? What about my value? I felt like Zechariah. I struggled like Ezekiel. I have to find out how to minister without a voice. I discovered during this time that I wasn't my voice, but rather I had a voice. For so long in life, I went as my voice took me, rather than me really using my voice. After those two weeks, I returned to my checkup and found progress. 
the sore was slowly healing and the inflammation was subsiding. After another two weeks, the sore had healed. Praise God. But the breaks weren't off yet. For the next two to three months, I could speak, but barely louder than conversational tone. My volume was to be restricted to that of a couple talking at an expensive restaurant. I still couldn't sing or preach. It was so difficult. I felt like a cheetah in a cage. I felt like a lion in a cage. Like a bird in a cage. I felt caged. After a couple of weeks, my doctor said I would start vocal therapy. I was shocked because I didn't think I would be able to do vocal therapy until my restrictions were lifted. But actually, this was a part of getting me back on track. On day one, my vocal therapist asked me my goals and expectations. Having never heard me sing, she needed a baseline. I played her some clips of my singing, and to be honest, I cried. I wasn't sure if I'd ever be back there again. It sounded like foreign music to me. She vowed to get me back singing and preaching. She wasn't just helping me in vocal therapy, but she gave me some gems of life therapy that I will share with you that may help you get your voice back. One thing she shared, and this was early in my healing period, everything doesn't require a response. For some of you, that may be a remedial lesson, but for me, it was profound. Every off comment, Every statement, every situation doesn't require a vocal response. Sometimes what you need to say is nothing. There is a time to speak and a time to keep silent. Another key she gave me was that I needed to choose my words. This is a pearl of wisdom we all need. The context for me was the first couple of weeks that I was on strict vocal restriction. My doctor initially wanted me to say nothing for two weeks. I'm sorry, but as a singer, preacher, talker, laugher, husband, and father of two toddlers at the time, that wasn't happening. But as an encouragement, my vocal therapist strongly stated that I should talk as little as possible, even if there were days that I said nothing. But if I absolutely had to say something, to carefully choose my words. She wanted me to say things in a way that I wouldn't have to repeat myself, to say things that needed to be said that weren't just good to say. I had to choose my words. I felt like I had to ration my words as if I was rationing food during a famine. But the wisdom rings true even to this day. My mind goes back to an elderly sister from the church of my youth. Sometimes you would ask her a question and she would smile and look at you. She wasn't ignoring the question or being awkward. 
She was carefully selecting her words like she was picking produce. This pearl of wisdom has been helpful for me. I've kept these pearls of wisdom since my vocal therapy and training. However, there was another pearl she gave me that keeps resonating in my spirit. And that was when she shared with me that one of the habits that I had was actually hindering my progress. This one session, probably the most difficult session we had, she kept trying to get me to speak and talk with my diaphragm. Although I have strong vocal cords and fairly strong throat and neck muscles, depending solely on my vocal cords and muscles was a habit that was actually causing problems. Think about what happens when you blow up a balloon and you pull the sides of the neck of the balloon with both hands. You get a squeal of a sound. Like that balloon, technically, I was really squealing. This was actually putting more pressure on my vocal cords. I was making a sound. I was kind of loud, but not as powerful and productive as I could be. It was so frustrating. She was trying to correct a habit that had been with me all my life. Anthony, do you know what gives your voice life? It's the wind that goes over your vocal cords. Wait a minute. That hit me on a deep spiritual level. The scriptures let us know that it is the Spirit that gives life. On one occasion, the Holy Spirit appeared in a sound that sounded like the wind. Many early believers used that imagery to describe the Spirit. I got it. For a week, I had to do exercises that showed whether I was using the wind, my diaphragm, or using my vocal cords only. I had to do these daily exercises like pronouncing my words while holding a tissue in front of my mouth. If it barely moved, I was using only my vocal cords. If it moved, I was using my diaphragm. I had to pronounce a lot of words beginning with the letter M and holding the M for a while. Mother. Mountain, maker, monument. For some reason, those words help to align our mouth, jaw, tongue, and vocal cords and sets up a habit for good vocal use. I drove around for weeks with a sheet of paper in my car with words that I would say in the car while practicing. And at night, I'm holding up a tissue and pronouncing words. Again, it felt remedial, but it was necessary. After about five months of resting and vocal therapy, after months of not singing or preaching, after months of wrestling with God, after months of questioning my value and purpose, after months of wondering if I would ever do it again. About five months later, I sang again.
I felt like a newborn baby farm animal. You know how their little legs are trembling as they take their first steps? My voice is back. Like Ezekiel, I had to learn to minister without speaking sometimes. Like Zechariah, I had to learn to trust God at his word and that he wouldn't have given me a voice if he didn't intend for me to sing or speak. While I don't have the range that I once had, in many ways my voice now is stronger than ever before. You have a voice. You don't just make sounds or mimic. You have a voice. Use it. What better way to use your voice than to resonate the praises of the one who gave it to you? What better way to use your voice than to speak life into desolate and desperate situations? The scriptures say that even a soft answer turns away wrath. There is power in your voice. I hope this episode has given you some ways to tune up your voice and to begin to use it more powerfully than ever before. Thank you again for sharing a word with Anthony Walker.